everyone. Welcome to the This is the Still to be Determined podcast. That is a placeholder name, or maybe not. <laughs> this is our first episode, unless you never hear it, in which case this is our unaired pilot. That's right. On this podcast, uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into Matthew Farrell's YouTube channel. Matthew has the Undecided with Matthew Farrell podca- uh, YouTube channel. Uh, every week, Matt looks at tech and its impact on our lives, and this podcast will follow up on each of his episodes with questions from me, I'm Sean Farrell, his brother, and from the audience. Um, our goal is to question and re-examine the subject Matthew brings up in his videos and to talk a little bit about the world around tech. We'll also be diving a little bit into things like movies, TV shows, books, and other pop culture goodies we consume. Please don't forget to subscribe if you like the podcast. We're found on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere that healthy podcasts are available. I'm your host, or is it Inquisitor, or is it <laughs> Poobah? Yes. I'm, I'm the older brother. Yes. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer and picture book author. I write sci-fi-inspired novels. They can be found at bookstores basically anywhere, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, and so forth. So how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a very busy week, but things are good. It seemed like it was a busy weekend when I reached out to you yesterday about, hey, you got time to do some gaming? And you were like, not this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no deeper I, explanation. No, no explanation at all. Yeah. The, the, the explanation was I had recorded an episode and had it all ready to go and CES ended. And then I had a whole bunch of thoughts about CES and I wrote up a script and decided to, hey, you know what I'm going to do this weekend? Record a whole new episode and try to put it out there on Tuesday. So right. that was unexpected and uh, a lot of extra work. So you're currently malnourished, sweaty, and wearing nothing but underwear? Is yeah. That, <laughs> right. Basically, yesterday was a 12-hour day of just writing, recording, and editing an entire episode. Right. Which explains probably why your dog is barking. She's probably barking because somebody needs to walk her. Yes. <laughs> She's crossing her legs. I really have to go. Does nobody love me? <laughs> All right. So this week we're going to be talking about your most recently released episode, which was on January 7th, 2020. It's the episode which is Apple, Google, Amazon working together, smart home news. Uh, in the episode, you talked about how there's the new uh, CHIP chip uh, protocol that is being put together by those industry leaders in, what would you call it, home automation, or would you call it? Smart homes. Smart homes. Okay. Yeah. So the industry leaders in smart home technology are getting together to create the chip standard. Can you tell us a little bit more about what chip stands for? The connected home over IP is okay. uh, what, it, what it stands for. So basically it's, if it's, if all your devices are on Wi-Fi, they'll all be able to speak the same language and communicate to each other because there'll be a standard way for them to communicate. Right. So it's, it's a much needed protocol and it's, I kind of equate it to like, it's like the HTML standard for websites, you know, CSS, JavaScript. It's like, there's these kind of standards that everybody gets behind and all use, like it's all supported in all the browsers. So it doesn't matter whether you use Firefox or Chrome they'll all be able to load the web page. Right. It's like, it, this is basically something similar for smart homes. Okay. So my first, my first comment, uh, question about this is you started off your episode saying this, you described it basically as an early Christmas present, mm -hmm. but 
because of when it was announced, wouldn't it technically be a late Christmas present? <laughs> well, it's it's definitely going to be a late Christmas present because it's going to take several years for this to become a real thing. <laughs> okay. But so it was just nice to know that they're yeah. they're working on something. Yeah. Right. Okay, so we're off to an argumentative start on the podcast. Things are getting pretty tense. <laughs> Tune in to see if this family stays together. That's right. Um, so some quick questions about Chip. Um, <clears throat> will Eric Estrada be involved? I really, I really hope so. And I, I think he I, should I, be I the hope, face of it, really. <laughs> I really hope they pick the Chip theme song yeah. whenever they, they announce a new update about this. That'd be great. <laughs> Home automation. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> <laughs> We're dating ourselves now. Yes. So uh, my actual first question about this is security. You, you mentioned this uh, briefly in your video, and it was raised by a friend of your YouTube channel, uh, B-Boy. <laughs> Does this potentially improve or weaken security? This will, in my take, it will probably improve security. And the reason for that is it will be a standard everybody will be implementing. Mm -hmm. And both Google and Apple have talked about how security is going to be an important aspect of this protocol. And mm -hmm. of all the companies, Apple has the best track record for trying to ensure data privacy and making sure things are locked down and that Apple itself doesn't know exactly what you're doing inside your home, all that kind of stuff. And Google has been moving more and more in that direction of anonymized data and data protection. So right. it's like the fact that the two of them are, are they're very strong voices in this protocol. They're mm -hmm. going to be building this from the ground up with all that stuff in mind. So I, I really think this is going to be a, a benefit versus right. the wild west we have right now where you have some makers are putting out devices. Like if you get some little cheap Chinese knockoff, who's he, what's it, whether it's a, a light switch or a outlet and you put it in your house and connect it to your Wi-Fi, you have no idea what protocols are in place, what it's doing, what little, it might be running basically a little Linux server that has open ports and outdated software on it. It's like, mm -hmm. who knows what they're doing? And this right. kind of protocol hopefully should, uh, help with some of that, not all of it, but some of it. Right. That, it, that raises an interesting question about some of the other partners. Um, I know that, and I'd like to just point out to the listeners at this point, my relationship to technology is <laughs> not nearly as robust as Matthew's. So Matthew's no. the technophile <laughs> and I like technology because I think a lot of stuff is cool and I like sci-fi, but as far as how these things work, I'm, I'm, I've reached the point where I know that I'm about 15 years away from being um, the why is my clock flashing 12 <laughs> guy. Yeah. So so I, I know just enough to, to ask questions like I know that Facebook and Amazon are, when you compare them to Apple and Google, probably a lot more aggressive in we'd like to be living inside your home. Yes. And know exactly what you're doing. Yes. And Amazon, you mentioned, is a part of this. You didn't mention Facebook. No, Facebook is not. Facebook is not. But Facebook does have home automation goals. <laughs> they do have like a, an Alexa-type device that they're planning, right? They, they already have a device. It's a screen with a camera on it and a microphone called the Portal, Facebook yeah. Portal. Yeah. And any human being that puts that in their home is freaking insane i don't right. know why you would put a facebook always on listening device in your house right they do not have it a good would track be, record 
The only thing I think that would be creepier than that would actually be to have Mark Zuckerberg living in your house, like just with a notepad <laughs> watching you as you walk around writing everything down. I can picture a, like a little mini movie of just somebody walking around their house and there's just you're getting into the shower in the corner of the bathroom. This is Mark Zuckerberg yeah, standing just there. standing there writing down. He uses dial. <laughs> he likes Charmin. Right. <laughs> So that could be, I mean, this potentially, if you've got a, several of the major players pushing the industry in one direction, it could, it could force either force Facebook to play along and do similar things, or maybe just undermine their ability to sell their product. Yes. It's also like if Amazon is on board with this and they're taking part in this too, it should help rein in them a little bit too. Which is a uh, related question would be how strong is security now? You mentioned like if you buy, you know, from whoziwatsit.com, their version of the uh, light plug mm-hmm. where you don't have any idea what it's actually doing. How, how tight is security now if you have to incorporate third party mm-hmm. things like hubs or even uh, IFTTT? into the automation process well, does that effectively to, weaken it because you're pulling in the more things the yes. more parts you have the more passwords you have the more chance there is that something could be broken into e- e- yes uh it's actually something i'm very concerned about it's like smart homes can be extremely secure but it depends on the person that's putting it together mm-hmm. and if you're buying random Wi-Fi smart home gadgets, every Wi-Fi device you put in your house is a vector for intrusion. Mm-hmm. And so if you're buying them from companies you've never heard of or they don't have a good track record or fill in the blank here, every one that you add is, to, is, is just a <laughs> it's, it's not good, which is part of the reason for my smart home. Almost all my not all of it, but a lot of it is based on Z-Wave and Zigbee protocols, which are not Internet connected. It's local only. Mm-hmm. So I have a thing called the Hubitat Hub, which is a very well locked down, secure, meant for local home automation kind of only device. And then everything taps into that. So the vector into my smart home is through Hubitat. So I've tried my best to narrow down the outward facing smart home devices so that it's not opening me up to attack. I mean, I still have things like Philips Hue, which is internet connected and... Mm -hmm you know, Logitech Harmony remotes, which are internet connected. So each one of those, it's like, it's adding a new door to your house. And it's like, you want to, re- you want to reduce the number of doors from the outside world into your house for security reasons. Okay. So if, if you, if you take that into account as you're buying smart home gear, you can build a very secure home. But if you're buying random Wi-Fi connected devices, I think Right. It's the easy, it's the easy route. Cause Hey, you don't need a hub. And that sounds great. It's like the fact that you don't need a hub is kind of terrifying. Right. <laughs> You're just opening up your home to potential problems. So does that explain why I have been unable to hack into your smart home? That could be one of the reasons. Yes. Okay. And the fact that I change my password every 24 hours. Do you really? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not offended, but that sounds like something you would do. I know. If you, if anybody saw my, I, I don't do this anymore, but my Wi-Fi password for years was the longest password you could do before they that said you can't go that long. It was like sixty four random characters or whatever. It's, it was. it's always it's always a good sign when the internet is like, oh my god, that's just that's too much. 
you got, dude, you got to slow down. <laughs> I remember you assisted uh, mom and dad with setting up their router and Wi-Fi password. Mm-hmm. And that it was every other letter was yes. uppercase, lowercase. Random numbers. Which, <laughs> yes. which of course, was a lovely experiment with mom and dad. Yes. Who write their passwords down in a little book. Yes. Who write it down in a dress book, which yeah. they keep in their office. Um, okay. So to circle back uh, regarding security, Eric Estrada might be involved, but is John Baker going to be involved? I heard he's not. He's okay. not signing on, though. He was never the same once that show ended. No, he wasn't. No. You mentioned in your video uh, Wi-Fi 6. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for routers and Wi-Fi networks in homes and offices that currently exist? Is Wi-Fi 6 something that is a software update, or is it something that is literally a hardware replacement issue? It- it's it's a hardware replacement issue. Wi-Fi. What's so stupid at Wi-Fi? Is Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is like chip in the sense of there's a standard that all router makers abide to, um, and device makers use chips that all speak that same language and, and use the same technology. But Wi-Fi, you've probably heard of like uh, B N A C. There's like these different yeah. like acronyms they have at the end of like a. Yeah. Set of numbers. That was right um, about when that was being introduced was right about when my brain said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. So the Wi-Fi organization basically said, you know what? That's too confusing. Uh, we're going to rebrand them and just call it Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi okay. 6. Okay. So the current standard that pretty much everybody's using right now is Wi-Fi 5. And Wi-Fi 6 is is just the next step. Of, okay. I think it's actually called AX. <laughs> if you want to go by the old the old uh, system, uh, but it's just it's like um, the buzz in technology for cell phones is you know the newest, latest, best. What's going to be the next uh, you know cellular standard that's going to like change the world? And this is that same kind of standard, but for Wi-Fi, right? And it really is a huge leap where it's going to be able to. It's it's designed to handle lots of little devices all at once that want to talk to the internet at the same time. Right. So it's, it's going to make our home's Wi-Fi more robust, more resilient. And as we start adding these Wi-Fi smart home devices and internet of things, it's going to be able to handle all of it. So it's, it's also capable of speeds that are gigabit speeds. Um, so as we get more gigabit connections, like I have Verizon Fios with a gigabit connection to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, Devices that are Wi-Fi 6, and if you have Wi-Fi 6 routers, in theory, you can get gigabit connections directly to your iPad and anything mm-hmm. else that's Wi-Fi connected. So it's it's a huge step. It's going to be great. It's going to open up a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And so it does mean, in some cases, literally a replacement to certain types of technology, like your phone might not be able to take advantage of certain speeds, or would it be... It's always is, backwards compatible. It's always right. backwards compatible. But like, I, I just your phone just will still connect to the Wi-Fi, but correct. your next generation phone will actually have a better connection, and maybe things will be faster on it. Co- correct. So if right. like my laptop has a Wi-Fi five connection, it's going to max out at a certain speed. Mm-hmm. But if I get a new device that's Wi-Fi six and it's connected to my Wi-Fi six router, it'll get the maximum throughput that it can get. Right. And you mentioned this as the chocolate peanut butter combo. Yes. The, you know, the, the security stuff, the chip 
evolution mixed with the Wi-Fi 6. But it occurred to me, you can't eat chocolate. So does this make you a liar or a poser? Uh, It's a little bit of both. Okay. But it could be white chocolate, Sean. No. See, that, no. (laughs) That's not chocolate. Okay, so some uh, viewer questions that were raised in your YouTube videos, comments that caught my eye. There was one by, um, and if I mispronounce anybody's name, I apologize. It's because I'm wrong, not because you're wrong. So the first comment that caught my eye was from Adam Sani, and he wrote about the intranet of things versus the internet of things. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that, the difference between those two? Uh, The difference would be like kind of what I was talking about before, where you have smart devices that are Wi-Fi connected and they have to talk to some kind of external service for them to function. And a good example of that would be pretty much any Amazon Alexa device that you get. So you get it, you plug it in, it syncs to some Wi-Fi thing and it has to connect to Amazon for it to actually function and talk to other devices. Right. Um, an internet of things would be you get a smart home device, you plug it in and it only needs to talk to things locally within your house and doesn't need to connect to any kind of outside service. Right. So that's kind of what I was talking about before with where I use the Hubitat hub, which is meant for exactly that. So things that are connected to my hub inside my house can all talk and communicate and can coordinate with the home automations I have set up. And they don't have to talk to Amazon or Google or Apple or IFTTT or anything for them to function and do what they're designed to do. It sounds to me like that that's really going to be driven by consumer awareness. Yes. And consumer awareness around, okay, I'm, I'm, companies are going to know I'm not going to buy the internet of things. I'm going to buy the internet of things because I can imagine that even, you know, washing machine companies want your washing machine to talk directly to them. They want to know. Yes about your usage of it, as opposed to saying, this will communicate within your internet and you, you know, your, you know, service needs and things like that in emergency situations, it'll make it easier for you to let us know that things need to be done, but we won't be able to monitor you. And I can imagine most companies from a semi intrusive perspective are thinking like, oh no, we really want to just be able to get that information directly without your involvement. Yes. So it's really going to be about awareness. And that's where, you know, I, I, that's, I, I wonder about the um, public education around this. That's part of the reason I make some smart home videos on my channel is mm-hmm. because I try to raise awareness around privacy and some of the smart home devices I think that are safe and worth looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, it comes down to, uh, you said awareness, but also the user experience. And the sad part of it is... Is that for smart home devices, like the intranet of things, like I was talking about, the user experience is kind of hot garbage right now. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be somebody like me who's a techie and isn't afraid to whip open a terminal on your Mac and do some crazy stuff Mm -hmm. Um, or be comfortable with some pretty poorly designed user interfaces. I mean, I love Hubitat, but my God, some of the user interface is really, really rough and needs a lot of work. Uh, it's not something that you would probably be comfortable doing. And it sure yeah. as hell not something mom and dad would be. But here comes Amazon. Hey, just buy this thing. Scan this thing with your this QR code with your phone and type this one thing in and you're up and running. It's like right. that user experience is so wonderful and seamless and easy to use. People are going to gravitate towards what's easiest. 
and right. most convenient. Right. And sadly, that's the intranet, the internet of things, not the intranet of things. Yeah. And so those companies are going to win out because it's a better user experience right now. Yeah. And we put a lot of faith into companies that we shouldn't. We put a lot of trust into the, into the places that don't actually deserve it. Correct. Um, another question was from someone and that is their actual viewer username. So <laughs> that's a great username. <laughs> someone asked, uh, they posted, they were literally planning on buying some of the devices that you've talked about mm-hmm. this week as of the posting of the video. I think that they mentioned it was like, I was going to buy these things on Friday, but you're talking about evolution of the smart home technology from the perspective of chip. You're talking about evolution of router technology in Wi-Fi 6. So their question is, do I buy now or do I wait? My response, no matter what the technology is, is basically never wait. Because if you wait, there's always going to be another thing right after it. Right. It's like, I get the same question about, should I buy my Model 3 or should I buy a Model S now? Because I heard they're working on the new Plaid powertrain. It's like, there's always going to be something cool and exciting that's worth waiting for next. The important thing to remember with this is whatever happens with chip, your old stuff is not going to stop working. It's going to keep working just fine. So right. if you buy good quality smart home gear now, it will work until it dies. It's mm-hmm. not going to become useless when chip becomes a thing. It's not going to become useless when Wi-Fi 6 becomes a thing. So my recommendation is find the gear that you like and you want that fills a need that you're looking for and just get it and don't wait because chip is also going to take several years before it becomes a real thing. It's right. like you're talking about a year before it becomes a, basically a protocol that's approved by everybody. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to take probably a year or two for manufacturers to really start pumping them out. So I don't think it's worth waiting three years <laughs> to right. get smart home gear when you could start building out some very selective products right now. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the the question? This was this was brought up actually by my girlfriend. Um, Sarah was asking, "Why invite these companies into our home in this way? Why a, why do this?" <laughs> yes, that that's a very very good question. Um, uh, it really comes down to, for me, I mean, smart homes, I always say this every time I talk about smart homes, it's not eye candy. There is a reason to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is most of the advertising you see, it's like, hey, look, you can turn your lights red with your phone or talk to this speaker and you can make lights flash. It's like, no, that's stupid. And if that's why you're buying smart home gear, you're you're, you're going down a bad path. Mm-hmm. It should be about security. It should be about uh saving energy and money um, because it does all of those things. Like I, I leave my house and my house makes sure my garage door is down. It makes sure my front door is locked. It makes sure all the lights are turned off and the heat is turned down to a proper temperature. All of that will make my house more secure and it will make sure I'm saving energy. Right. So, and they're, they're automations. So you're never having to whip out your phone to do anything. Right. When you're home. So it's like a, a smart home should basically be almost invisible to you. Right. Uh, so as opposed but, to the marketing, you know, it's, it's it's they're not actually marketing a smart home. They're marketing a clown home. Exactly. Where it's entertainment and it's kind gimmick. of goofy. Yeah. It's all about gimmicks. Yeah. Um, and I get it because that's what gets people to go. Ooh. And then they want to get it. Um, but then there's people like you and Sarah, which <laughs> I 
think critically. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. So my thing would be, it's, it's not about, there's a level of trust that you have to have if you're tying into systems like Google Home or into Apple HomeKit or into Amazon Alexa. You have to trust the company that mm-hmm. you're linking into. And some of these companies have not earned that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like I said earlier, it's for me, the, the most recommended path I can say is an intranet of things. It's like right. you're not relying on any of those companies because this is something that you completely control. Your right. data is yours and nobody else's. And if you want to grant Google access so that you can get some voice control and stuff like that, that's up to you. Right. So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. And that, that ties into my last question for this uh, episode, which is, and this, you know, jumps off onto, it's a, it's a kind of silly question, but it's also, it's, it's serious. Um, the chip protocol and, you know, Wi-Fi six and, and all this evolution got me to thinking about how in sci-fi movies, TV shows, Star Wars, Star Trek, you watch people, you watch droids and robots and they walk up to interfaces and everything can talk to everything. Mm -hmm. And it got me to thinking about like what's really happening now or these companies are basically evolving that kind of user experience, a universality of access to the devices themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just from that perspective, just from, you know, like the, the look of our modern lives, our contemporary lives versus what you see in the movies and the, and the, the tech as it's displayed in sci-fi. Um, there's always been that gap of like, oh, and you know, look at what it looks like in this TV show. And then here's what we currently have and it's it's always been that you've got the laptop or you've got the desktop and it's slowly evolved into well now we carry them in our pockets but there's still a separation between all of these things yes and it feels like what these companies are now trying to do is say like there will no longer be that gap there will no longer be your phone is not connected (laughs) to anything that you want to walk up to and try to access it yeah when we were starting the podcast and i sent you the link to where we're recording this right now yeah. and you said oh that's on my phone you need to send that to me in an email so it's on my computer mm-hmm. um it made me laugh because i was like I, f- I forgot you're not 100 in the apple ecosphere because no. for me text it's messages place. yeah text messages show up on my phone my ipad my watch and my laptop right so when i sent you that link i was on my laptop using messages from my laptop and i was like oh that's right he's not on a mac and all that kind of stuff so of all the companies that are doing what you're talking about apple is the one that's actually pulling it off where it's like it's becoming so seamless where it it, devices don't matter anymore it's the services all just communicate and even the newest iphones have a technology where there's something called airdrop that you can do yeah where you can take something airdrop it to your mac or back and forth but they, you, they even have this thing where it's using near field communication where like if you see somebody else, like you're talking to somebody at a conference and you want to mm-hmm. sh- send them your contact info mm-hmm. and you don't have any connection to them at all. You basically just point your iPhone at their iPhone and it, you can airdrop directly to them. Right. Crazy stuff. It's like it's like what you're just talking about, like a Android walking up to a computer and they just like beep and boop at each other. And suddenly they're like completely talking just fine. Like right. they've always been doing this. Everything can communicate and trade information it's like 
we're heading there very, very, very quickly. I like in your description of all of that, you basically created the setting of like an episode of Star Trek where you've beamed down to my planet. <laughs> And you're like, these people have 20th century level technology. And I walk out of a cave dragging a club. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, Mongo doesn't understand what beaming means. Can't hear from Mongo. Yeah. So with that, uh, that little conversation about, you know, the the sci-fi and tech and everything having been said, I I think it's an interesting conversation. place to drop in the fact that, you know, here we are, it's January in 2020 and we have now passed any number of, um, sci-fi moments that were supposed to be the future. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, famously a few, a couple of years ago, it was, we passed the future that back to the future two had represented. And there were all the jokes and the memes going around about where are our hoverboards where are our flying cars? All of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, more recently, we passed the date of when Blade Runner took place. So, you know, the replicants and flying cars and assassin cops and slave race and all of that. It's, it's, it, the, our future is now behind us. So, Matt, I just wanted to get a quick thought from you. Is there any, uh, sci-fi future that we have now put behind us that jumps to mind for you? Oh man, <laughs> that's a good question. Like things from like pop culture and science fiction movies. Anything. That, yeah. Anything that was supposed to be the future and is now actually, yeah, they did that. That date would have been five years ago or so. Nothing's popping to mind. Like all the ones that were kind of like ingrained in me as a kid mm-hmm. have all happened. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of creepy. Yeah. It's like Skynet by now should have woken up. Yes. Um, I think we're technically past the Terminator future. Like the war should have been taking place by now. Yeah, the war would have already happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the stuff, the, the, the evolution of some of the stuff from like Alien, a lot of Ridley Scott stuff is actually supposed to be behind us at this point. Yep. Um, it's funny to think about, though, because it's like, you know, those future moments that are now behind us. And meanwhile, I'm like, you have to send that to me on my email (laughs) because you sent it to me on my phone by mistake. (laughs) So I'm going to open it up to the listeners. If uh, anybody wants to send us through, um, you can leave a comment on the YouTube channel to uh, jump over there and leave your comments as part of that discussion. Cause that's already a pretty robust talk and uh, feel free to jump in and join that. I'd also and, recommend Twitter. Twitter would be a good place too. You want to give your uh, Twitter handle for the show? Yeah. The show's uh, YouTube channel. I mean, uh, Twitter channel is at uh, undecided MF. And if you wanted to shoot anything my way, I'm on Twitter at by Sean Farrell, B-Y-S-E-A-N-F-E-R-R-E-L-L. And as I mentioned before, um, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm the writer and novelist and older brother. And (laughs) he's Matthew Farrell. He's the technophile and YouTube channeler at Undecided with Matt Farrell. And this is the Still To Be Determined podcast. Possibly. Possibly not. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're wrestling with that even as we speak. And yes, we are. Don't forget to subscribe. We're at iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are available. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you in the next one.